This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Let's make sure I didn't have anything in the uh, playing queue that's not supposed to be there. Okay, yeah, we're good, we're good. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, th- interesting things have happened. Uh, well, slightly interesting, to me anyway. Uh, we got our uh, Kia Soul back. That's right. We had our Kia Soul at the uh, dealership for the last month and a half, something like that. Uh, the first two weeks of that was just waiting for the car to be checked out to see if a particular problem was the problem. And if it was, then we would get a new engine for the car. Covered under warranty, so no charge to us. Turns out that was the problem. And it took almost exactly two weeks. Guy calls me up on a Monday morning. We got it. We we took a look at it. Our our service rep at the uh, at the dealership calls me up. Says, "Yep, you're getting a new engine, and let's get you set up with a loaner because that's covered too." And what we would do is, well, what we did was we set up with a loaner uh, at a at a enterprise rental, which is just walking distance from the dealership. So we got us a Dodge Charger, 2021 Dodge Charger, which is a, with a lot of car. I mean, it's a, it's much bigger than a Kia Soul. We were able to get it in the garage, but it's a uh, tricky. And we had that and drove it around for a month. And it was uh, uh, it, we were it was a it was a month of of discovery. You know, not every day, but it seemed like frequently we were discovering something else about the car that it could do. Uh, it one uh, one morning, I just kind of uh, looked up at the ceiling for whatever reason, and I saw this little handle there, and I went, "Hey, wait a minute, is this one of those?" And it's a little, so I put my, you know, I push it back toward the back seat, and it opened up the, uh, it's a little visor kind of thing that that covers the, uh, uh, you know, the 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 moonroof or sunroof or whichever it was, right? So, open it up and say, "Ah, look, you can see outside outside the roof. Look at that. Look at that. That's that's cool." So, we had that, and then. I don't know, a few days after that, uh, I was in the parking lot of my son's school waiting for him to get done with class so I could drive him home. And I was going to turn on the little, uh, there's a a dome light that's just at the top of the windshield on the inside there. And you can just pop that and it'll turn on. Just push it with your finger, it'll turn on. I went to do that, but I missed it and I hit a button and that button opened up the sunroof. So it just went completely opened up. Oh, look at that. You know, so there was things like that. It has that. It had that uh, proximity uh, alert system when you're backing up, and actually, it's part of a to help you park. You know, if you're parallel parking or something, it lets you know if you're getting close to the curb, or if you're getting close to the car behind you, or whatever object there is behind you, it lets you know. And and I found that there's a, on the dashboard you can you can hit a button and that turns that off. But and that I found out just like like days before we were bringing the car back. So, a constant, almost constant, over a month of discoveries about this car. And then, uh, this past Monday morning, got a call from the service rep uh, over at uh, over at the dealership. And he said, well, Jim, we, we got your Kia ready to go. And I said, great. You know, so we're open until 7 o'clock, so come on by and pick it up. Well, I got, uh, uh, Amy and I went over there after work. Uh, we were 
contemplating, well, what should we do first? Should we drop off the rental first and walk on over to the Kia? Or should we go to the Kia first and get the car and then go over? And, and, and Amy thought, well, if it's not too far of a walking distance, we'll just go to the rental place first. And so as we got, as we approached it, she said, oh, that's nothing. You know, that's, that's, that's hardly, that's like, I don't know, a, like two blocks. It's, it's not even, maybe not even that. So she said, yeah, let's, let's, let's return the car first. So we do that. We go in. Uh, they ask, you know, how did it work? How did it go? So it was great. I, I did mention something about the brakes. I said that you notice that when you're at higher speeds and you're braking, uh, like if you're going 50 miles an hour, 60 miles an hour or something, and you and you brake, you can feel a little pulsing in the brake. And that, so that, that to me is saying like something's not, you know, uh, the contact between the pad and the disc or whatever is not, not getting, uh, isn't, correct it's like there's a little warp or something uh it's not the anti-lock brake pulsing i know the difference so i just they say, oh that's good to know because you know we don't always we don't often know and so we'll we'll check that out so hey so then she says to us this is the gal at the rental place she says would you like a ride over to kia <laughs> and we said well yes we would <laughs> and so she hands the, the the key fobs they gave us two she hands those over to one of her co-workers and, and that you know that I you know that we were using for our car, she hands them over to him, and we go back out, back out to the Dodge Charger. And as I said, it was a month of discovery. We're walking out to the Charger, and it starts. And I looked at the fellow, and I said, "Did you just start the car?" He said, "Oh yeah, on the fob." He shows me there's a button on there that's an automatic starter. I said, "We didn't. We had no idea." So it was cool. We got over there um, to pick up the car, and our, our service rep there, uh, he comes out, and then, so then I had questions for him. I said, so okay, so it's uh, it's 5W20 for the oil. It's That hasn't changed. I said, but is it conventional? Is it? He says it's full synthetic. So with this new engine, because I had been using conventional oil, but with this new engine, it's full synthetic, so that's good to note. And then I said, well, how many miles between oil changes? He said, 5,000. The Jiffy Lube, where I've been bringing it, was always marking it at 3,500 miles. Well, you know, it's going to be 5,000. Uh, and then he, he said, uh, and, well, then I asked him, um, tune-up? Uh, when would I get a tune-up? He said, 100,000 miles. He said, you, you treat this car right. He says, we haven't had the problems with this engine that we put in there that we were having with the one that you had, you know, the original engine in the car. So, you know, it, and it, the warranty for that, for the new engine, is just 12,000 miles. It's pretty much just going out you know for the what the rest of the uh warranty was uh that it, that was extended that saved our lives as far as the car was concerned and making us not have to pay for a new engine or just get a new car so anyway <clears throat> uh it's he, he said uh, you treat this right uh he said he did advise he says uh, every 34,000 miles you should get the transmission fluid flushed and and you do that you could get 300,000 miles out of this car you could eat easily with this with this new engine. So I'm gonna do what I need to do to baby the thing. Uh, keep an eye on the oil, and uh, you know, obviously get the oil changes and, and do the right thing. And uh, and I I must confess I hadn't done a, 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 a transmission flush, so I think I'll get that arranged and get that done. And who, who knows? I mean, hopefully the car will last uh, us uh, quite a while. I mean, it looks good. We've kept it clean. It doesn't. It's not all rusted out. It's not always easy in Minnesota. But, yeah. so it's cool. It's cool to have it back uh, because, boy, do we, you know. One thing that we noticed immediately. Now, it, it occurred to me when we had the charger that it sits lower to the ground. Uh, when you get in the car and you sit down, you sit down, 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 down until you get your butt hits the seat. You just kind of keep going. I know there are cars out there that sit even lower. But this was pretty low, and I especially noticed it when I was getting out of the car. Just gotta kind of step up and step up. It's it, it's just it's a it just seemed weird, and and I'm older, and it's not as easy to do that kind of thing. In fact, uh, uh, on Saturdays, I've uh, been going over to my dad's place, and then he and I go out to dinner, and I said to him, you know, he goes to church on Sundays, 
and, or on Saturdays, I should say. Did I say Saturdays? Yeah, Saturdays. Uh, he goes to church on Saturday evenings, and I tell him, I said, well, when I get down to the comic book store, I'll come over, leave your car out, because uh, you're not going to want to try to get in and out of this charger. It's just too, you know, it's, it's a little too low for me. I can do it, but it's, it's a little too low for me. And so, so we did that. We would drive his car. Well, when we got the Kia back, and we go out, and we, you know, slide our, ourselves into it, immediately, it's like, oh, yeah, this, the seats sit up much higher than that Dodge Charger. You, you don't sit down into it. You just kind of sit across into it. It's like, oh, look, hey, we're here. And the hood is not nearly as long, and you're, you're up higher, so you see a little better. It just, I don't know, it just felt better to me because uh, I'm old. <laughs> Did I mention that? I'm old. Uh, and and it's, it, it's just, it just works better for me to get in and out of that car. And I, I might be able to tell Dad, says, I think you should, I think the Kia might work. So if we want to try it, let's let's try it. So we'll we'll see what we do tonight. Uh, what do we got? Oh, um, I should mention that uh, I am once again recording in the basement of Nostalgia Zone. Uh, this is a comic book store that's in Minneapolis. Uh, NostalgiaZone.com is where you can find our website. You can become a member if you're interested in buying comic books. Old back issues, that's what we sell. We sell back issues. We do, we do have some more recent books uh, here, but uh, we're, we're uh, mainly a back Well, uh, we are a back issue store. We don't carry the new stuff. Uh, we kind of get that in somehow, but, you know. Um, but uh, uh, we... We get the new stuff in as back issues, as I should say, that comes in, trickles in here and there. Anyway, but it's, we're a back issue store, so it's Silver Age, Bronze Age, Modern Age. We've got Marvel and DC and Charlton and Dell and Harvey and Archie's, and we got all kinds of stuff. We got independents, alternative uh, labels, uh, we got underground books. Just uh, check out our website, nostalgiazone.com. You can become a member of our store. Uh, of our you know, what we call our membership and you you'll save 10% on your purchases you'll earn 10% in points for what you pay uh, for future to put toward future purchases uh, I'm sitting on about I don't know $35 right now of the stuff I've been buying I've been saving it up so that I can make a, a bigger purchase that isn't going to cost me as much uh, and yeah you can do that it's great so uh, I figure I should do an ad if I sit down in the basement and we had a bit of excitement, at least for me, uh, here at the store um, a couple weeks ago. Now, I work Saturdays. I work the register on Saturdays. And uh, we I told you that a few weeks back, a, a pretty decent collection came in. A collection that we paid a fair amount for. We, meaning the store. I, I didn't pay anything for it. Uh, and... It had two books in particular. I know I talked about this. It had Incredible Hulk number 180 and Incredible Hulk number 181. And uh, 180 is important because it has the very first single panel, I think it is, uh, appearance of Wolverine, who became a big character. He was big in the movies, you know, especially. But he, he was really big in the comic books, big in the movies. He was the like the main character of the X-Men movies. And then there's the movie Logan, which is all about Wolverine. So, you know, and I think there was other movies about Wolverine too, just where he's the main main dude. Uh, and um, so that's a big issue to to have that. So we we priced that one out. I think of like sixteen hundred, and it did sell. Uh, and the person got ten percent off and whatever because uh, they were a member of our membership. And, uh, and then they earned points toward future purchases. And the 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 bigger one, the, the 181, that's the first full issue appearance of Wolverine, which we valued our copy that we had at $6,000. All right, now I hadn't heard anything about it for a while. I didn't know if it had sold or not. I hadn't heard anything. You know, so I was working the register, and one of our regular customers comes in, nice fella, uh, usually spends a bit of a higher amount. He has a little bit more money to spend on comic books, and so he he's usually buys the you know the $100 books and you know, stuff like that. And uh, he came in, and he's talking to Ralph, one of my coworkers, uh, one of my bosses, I guess, and then there's, there's Chris, who's the main boss of the store. Um, so the customer comes in, and Ralph had, hands him over these three comic books. And he looks through them, and uh, then, then the customer hands them to me, so can you hang on to these? I'm going to look for some other stuff. And I said, okay, great. So it, it went like this. Uh, 
I, I look at he hands me the three comic books. I look at the top one. It's a Wonder Woman comic book. I think we had priced out at 165 bucks. I look at the second book in the stack that he handed me. I don't remember what the title was. I don't remember exactly what the cost was. It was like 70 bucks or 80 bucks or something like that. Then I look at the third book that he gave me, and it was Hulk 181, the $6,000 price tag on there. And I went, and I, I, I wouldn't say gas, but I said, oh. <laughs> and I looked at him, and he smiled and went, all right. You know, it's like, wow, cool. And it was, it was exciting. I, 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 wow, somebody's buying this. I'm, I'm selling this. That's, and it's, you know, he's going to get it for 5400 because he's a member of our membership. So he saves the 10%. He's going to get $540 in points that we don't mind because it's like, you know, you can say it's gaming the system, but he bought the one book as one purchase. He's awarded all those points, added on to the points that he already had. He had like another 35 bucks worth of points. So he's got like 575 bucks in points. So he, Goes through and gets a bunch of other books at that Wonder Woman comic book, the other one, and then he finds some others, which totaled up to eight hundred and something, and he ends up paying like three hundred and something, you know, with the tax and all that. And you know, we don't mind. We don't mind because his what he did right there, his purchases right there, paid for what we paid for the collection. And so any other books, and there were other books that were good in there, not the five, you know, $6,000 level, but there were other books that were good in there. And it was great. There was a little bit of a buzz in the store. There was a couple other regular customers in there kind of looking over and saying, oh, you know, I was just showing them, saying, hey, this is what he's buying. And I found out that the customer said, I had a copy of that before, but it got stolen from him. So he says, so now, you know, he had, he had inherited a bunch of money from his grandmother, apparently. So, you know, he was, you know, using that money to... Invest in in, in a, in a big-time comic book. And, hey, we were happy. <laughs> we were happy. <laughs> and uh, it was it was exciting. I was actually excited about that. It was, uh, was, uh, was kind of cool. And don't forget, I have a copy of Hulk 181. I valued mine at about four grand. Maybe it's not worth that much, but it wasn't in as good a shape as the one that he got. But it's in pretty decent shape. So, maybe... Uh, and by the way, uh, sometime this week, I'm going to be getting a hold of my insurance guy and say, you know, I think it's time that I, I get some insurance on my comic books. So we'll see. Uh, I've been advised by people in the past, and a friend of mine just said, hey, have you insured your stuff? And I said, well, not yet. And he said, well, you, it's probably not going to cost you that much, like 20 bucks a year. Yeah. You because know, he works for an insurance financial type place, and he, he knows stuff. So we'll see. All right, I think. I think I've gone a little long in this first segment, so, you know, I can do that because uh, it's my show. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I will return after this break. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network.
and welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Uh, that song leading into the uh, break was, of course, Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. <clears throat> and if you listen closely to that song, you hear the certain influence of a band that's, you know, the greatest band in rock music ever, and that's The Who. That trilling uh, synthesizer thing going on in the ba- underneath and in the back of the music the whole way through. That's Bob O'Reilly. Come on. Huh? Oh, and speaking of Duran Duran. <clears throat> now, you know, last year, my wife went to see Duran Duran three times. She went out to California. She meant to see them here in Minnesota. They were supposed to play at the uh, at one of the casinos. In an amphitheater, kind of, you know, it's outside thing. And it got rained out. You know, we, we in Minnesota, we've the last, you know, the upper Midwest, much of it, the last few summers, we've had this kind of drought conditions. We're not getting as much rain as we normally get. And it was the same case last summer, except for when Amy went to go see Duran Duran. Then it rained. And the show got rained out. They had to cancel it. And then it was announced that they weren't going to be rescheduling for this tour because it just, they just couldn't, you know, I don't know, logistics. So, Amy and her friends said, we got to go see these guys. So they go to California. They go out and see Duran Duran at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, they intended to see the one show on a Friday, which they did. And then the Saturday, they were going to go hang around you know, Hollywood and check out the sites. But then they, they realized that Duran Duran was playing another show at the Hollywood Bowl Saturday night. So they got tickets for that and went to see that. Right? And that was in September, I think. And then in November, Amy and her friend go back to California, go to Los Angeles, and they watch they to be in the audience of the Rock and Roll Induction Ceremony into the Hall of Fame. You know, the, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which Duran Duran was part of that. And it was supposed to be all five of the original members, but the one member... Jeez, is it Andy? something has um, he has cancer and you know even though he'd been doing okay it just uh, it's got to a point where the his doctors say you can't you know it's just you know it's not good for you to make this trip and do with the stuff so he could not he couldn't it wasn't going to be the whole, the whole five all right so okay, okay that was last year well they want to go see Duran Duran again this time out in Colorado Red Rock you know, that uh, very famous outdoor venue, <laughs> Better Not Rain, uh, that, you know, for concert to see them. And they want to make it a road trip. And guess who they roped into going with them? That's right, me. <sighs> I, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Here's a, here's a cap. It's I mean I, we're still paying for the last one. I know we'll fig- it, it, we'll figure it out. And especially if we get oh I don't even want to talk about it. later. I'll talk about it. I'm not talking about it now. I'm too upset. Uh, we uh, let me just say this: it's tax time, and we need an accountant. I'll, I, and I'll, I'll give you more maybe next week when we find some stuff out. We'll, but okay. But I'm not happy. But anyway, so we're so a road trip out there. Okay, great. Uh, and not only that, but we we have to be back in time for the two of them to see Duran Duran play in the Twin Cities as part of the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've married a deadhead, I guess. I don't, I don't know, or the equivalent of for Duran Duran. I know, I, I, guys that I work with have been telling me, Jim, you need to take vacations. You need to take a vacation. I'm just like, what? I, vacation? What's that? Why would you want to? Why? I, I mean, I went to California for like three days in 2019. Isn't that enough? <laughs> anyway. Okay, sports ballers, beware. There was a Super Bowl that took place. Super Bowl number 57, I believe it was. And it was the, the two teams involved were the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. And whenever it's not the Vikings involved in the Super Bowl, which it is never the Vikings involved in the Super Bowl, at least not since 1977, <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> uh, I hope for a good game, an entertaining game. 
fair amount of scoring, some big plays, just, you know, some excitement, maybe a come-from-behind win or stuff like that. Maybe even overtime. But overtime can be a bit of a letdown because of, you know, it's the NFL's goofy overtime rules, which I won't get into, but it's it can be. So that's what we got, though. We didn't get overtime, but we got an entertaining game. It was a good game. It was entertaining. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they fell behind early, but they didn't, you know, they weren't getting wiped out, but it looked like it pretty pretty bad at the beginning. It looked like the Eagles just had their number. But the, the you know, the Chiefs just kind of held in there, and then eventually they came from behind, to, at least to, I think to tie it toward the end. I don't have the full chronology, but they did tie the game at 35 points each. So it, and it gets to the last possession, and I at first I was a little underwhelmed by the last possession, which ended up winning the game for the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I was a little underwhelmed by it. It just for, I don't know why. Maybe because I was kind of hoping that the Eagles would win. I mean, I have a hard time with the Kansas City Chiefs because their fans do that tomahawk chop thing, and it always bothers me. Not only do they, you know, not only is it racially insensitive, but it's just it just makes them sound stupid. But okay, um, the but in that last couple of minutes of the game, the Kansas City Chiefs. What I when I thought about it more, and considered what had happened in that end of the game, I was I, I became more and more impressed, because it was uh, as the kids like to call it a master class. Of, of clock management, game clock management. They had a, a couple minutes left in the game. Uh, they have, a, I, I don't know how many timeouts the, that the Eagles had. They might have had all three of their timeouts. They get, you know, three timeouts a half. You know, that's what you get. And, and, and I, think, I think the Eagles still had all three timeouts. Kansas City's got the ball. They're moving the ball pretty well down the field. And there was uh, a one moment in there where one of the Chiefs players... He's got the ball. He's running to the end zone. He's going to score a touchdown. However, the coaching staff, led by Andy Reid, had you know planned it out, and the players were disciplined enough to listen to their coaches because this player, instead of taking that touchdown, which would have put them ahead, they were tied at 35 points, it would have put them up, You know, assuming they make the point after, it would have put them up by 7. Uh, which is what uh, forty-two to thirty-five. It would have put them up there if they, assuming they make the point after. And uh, um, they, he, he could, and, and 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 players can get, you know, caught up. I can get a touchdown in the Super Bowl, you know. He, but no, this player was disciplined enough to understand what he needed to do, and what he needed to do was get as close to the end zone as he could, and then kneel down. In you know, on the field, don't go out of bounds. If he went out of bounds, it would stop the clock. He kneels down inbounds. He gets touched by a defensive player. The play is over. Then uh, it's you know the clock continues to run because he didn't go out of bounds, and that's good for the Kansas City Chiefs that runs that clock down. That forces Philadelphia to take a timeout to preserve time on the clock in case they can get the ball back. Now, had he scored the touchdown, it, the ball would have been you know kicked back to. Uh, to the Eagles, the Eagles would have had maybe like a minute and a half or so of the game in which to get down the field and score a touchdown and tie it again, assuming extra you know point afters are made or whatever. Or you know, it's just yeah, assuming that it's six points for a touchdown. You kick, uh, kick the ball through the uprights, you get an extra extra point, so it's seven points. Or if you throw it in or run it into the end zone, you get two points. But the safe bet is to do the extra point kick, and so. That would have left that open for this as a possibility. But what the Chiefs could do was they could run the clock down, forcing the Eagles to take their timeouts. And once they're out of timeouts, there's nothing they can do to stop the clock. So, you know, it's the, they had a first down with getting the ball to the where they did, where the player went down on the field to keep, keep the ball inbounds, keep the clock running. Philadelphia takes a timeout. So then now they all they, they could they could spike the ball, or they could just do a do a you know just do some plays to just run that clock down and get it down to however many seconds, just a few seconds to kick a field goal. So they do that. They kick the field goal. They're up thirty-eight to thirty-five. 
And then they, you know, there's something like eight seconds left on the clock, or you know, there's something like that, or not maybe maybe a bit more. So they have to kick the ball back to Philadelphia. So Philadelphia's going to have just a few seconds left to hope for a miracle, and it didn't happen. You know, they had the the guy couldn't even get the ball 30 yards down the field to throw it to you know somebody to hopefully catch it and make a breakaway and, and score a touchdown. Didn't happen, so Kansas City went. So that I mean, that was that was impressive. The more I thought of it later, for some reason in the moment, I think it was like I said, I think I was upset that uh, the Eagles weren't winning, but that I missed how impressive it was what the the Kansas City Chiefs does did. And then I look back at the game, that was entertaining. That was good. The Chiefs were down. They came back. They tied it up. Then then they would come from behind. Win. Patrick Mahomes is a one tough quarterback. This kid, I'm telling you. You know, his, he had a high ankle sprain. He had a couple, you know, got that in a game a couple weeks back or something, but he he toughed it out in that game. He toughed it, you know, and then he had a couple weeks to, to heal, but you, sometime in the half, first half, he got, he tweaked that ankle again, and you could see it was hurting him. But he, you know, he manned it up. I mean, well, toughed it out, I'll say. I won't say manned it up. He toughed it out. And, it's, I, I, and I look, I say, why can't the Vikings have a quarterback like him? Why don't we ever have a franchise quarterback? We've never had one since since Fran Tarkington, and that was the 70s. Let's say we've never had one. We've come close with maybe Dante Culpepper, but he didn't quite reach that franchise, you know, which is like the most important player on the team status. He didn't quite get there. Uh, I don't know if Kirk Cousins can get. He's just you know, whatever. But why? There was a Super Bowl halftime show, as there is these days. And you know, the halftime is normally like 15 minutes. Well, they, they, they make it like 30 minutes now. You get a big analysis from the, from the network guys, you know, whoever, the, you know, the Fox people like Terry Bradshaw. It's not his money. You're not winning Terry's money. It's not his money. They're not taking money from Terry Bradshaw. I wish they'd stop saying it's his money. Isn't there something about truth in advertising? It's not I'm sorry. (laughs) So they get these guys, you know, they do the analysis of the game, and then they bring out whoever the big-time, halftime show person is going to be. And it was Rihanna this year. Apparently she'd been halftime... Uh, did the halftime entertainment before, and she comes out this time. And I'm not into Rihanna's music. I don't. It's not my thing. It's not for me. If you like it, great, because it's art. It's subjective. It's what you like, and, and there's no wrong answers. You know, most of the time. And I, I just I, I watched it for about a minute because, and then I went on Facebook in my cynical sense, and I said, well, I'm predicting. The halftime show will feature great dancing and lip-syncing. And it did. I, I watched about a minute, and there was some, I saw some good dancing going on there. Uh, it was pretty cool production, too. It looked great. You know, they had these floating, pat, you know, floating, quote-unquote, floating platforms and with dancers on them, and she's, you know, she's up on a riser thing and all that. You know, it looked good. Uh, and, you know, it's filmed well and all that, or videoed well. <laughs> anyway... Um, shot well, and and it's it's it it looked great, and the dancers are doing their dance thing, and she's doing her lip syncing. I was just watching, so, you know, just just enough of her. Oh yeah, she's lip syncing. She's not singing, and I don't. I, I, for me, if I'm going to see somebody in concert live, I want them singing. I don't want them lip syncing. There's a whole genre of pop music where the fans just accept it. Either they fool themselves that and think that the person's really singing or they just accept that this is what they do. They're lip syncing. Because the, the kind of stuff that, that Rihanna does and all you know other pop stars of the day with lots of dancing and dancers on stage and it's a whole production kind of thing, you know, the, the, the singer is dancing and it's just impossible to not be heavy breathing your way through everything. It's it, it just, you know, so they, they, they have to lip sync it. And that's in just their normal, you go into a concert, everything's set up. They might do some stuff where they're actually singing. They might have the, the microphone might be open so that they can shout out the, hey, y'all, or whatever. You know, yay, thanks, hi, how you doing? To, you know, hey, Toledo, you know, <laughs> Cleveland, yay, Cleveland. And, and you know, they could, they could do that. Uh, but 
you know, it's just they're not singing. And that, and that if I it, that that would bother me. And when I go to a concert, I expect the band to play their instruments and I expect them to sing. I don't mind backing tracks on some things. I mean, I am a fan of the Who. The Who have played concerts where they have to use backing tracks because of if they're going to reproduce "Won't Get Fooled Again" and Bob O'Reilly on stage, when it's just John on on bass, Keith on drums, and Pete on guitar, and and Roger singing, they can't do the synthesizer part, so they have to have they have to have it on tape. They have to play that and play along with it. So it loses a bit of the spontaneity that the Who tried to do in their in their shows at least especially back in their earlier days for at least that song but they're it, you know but that's the fans have always accepted that they, we're not upset by that i know it gets a little there's been stuff today about bands and they say well we you know some band got their laptops stolen and their on their their tracks on their backing tracks and everything were gone so they couldn't do their shows and there was a whole uprise about that well you know it's I know it's the nature of music today. If you want to produce a, kind of a full sound that you can't get with just the members of the band on stage, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm not, but I I want the singer to sing. I want that. You know, so I'm so and Rihanna does music that's not my my thing. So I just I made that thing on, on Facebook and and I don't mean to insult. I didn't mean it as an insult. Yeah, maybe kind of, but it's just—it's just that was my prediction, and it was—it was good dancing, it's great dancing, and lip syncing. And then I mentioned this to a fellow that I work with. Now, this fellow that I work with is part of a touring band. They're—they're going to be going on tour in May, I think, or late in April into May. And I mean, and they're kind of a big band in their music genre. They're big. They're not, you know, not superstars or anything like that, where they're, you know, making millions of dollars, but they're a pretty respectable band, and I'm not going to say who it is because uh, my coworker wants a certain amount of anonymity, anonymity with his, with his, in his day job. So anyway, but I was talking to him about it, and he said to me, he says, Jim, <laughs> he says, Jim, I'll tell you something about the Super Super Bowl halftimes. It's all lip synced. They all lip sync. Prince was lip-syncing. Oh, maybe, maybe he was singing, uh, but he certainly, there's all, it's all recorded. Like, the, the band is recorded, and it's it's all done. He says, the reason why it is so difficult, it takes, it's so time-consuming to set up a sound system to get it, you know, to get everything, the sound check, to get everything right, and it just, it just would not be possible to set that all up for a 20-minute uh, concert in the in the in during a Super Bowl. It's just it's not possible to get it done, and so they so Prince and I mentioned Prince because he he set the bar high. He his show was damned entertaining. Now it helps that I like Prince. Uh, I don't like everything he's done, but I like most a lot of what he's done, especially his '80s stuff. But you know he set the bar really high, and I think he was singing. And it's, it's possible to put the mic open for him so that he can sing you know that and he can do that but you know and it, but the other stuff you know that's that's you know they're just they're they're not really he's not really you know and that's what he's saying now i take his word for it as a being a bit of an expert so i'm willing to defer to his expertise because it makes sense and he says the other thing is the super bowl the producers of the super bowl they want it perfect they don't want any kind of goofs. They don't want any kind of you know follow-ups. They want the, the the sound to be right, and they can't. You can't always do that with a live show, with everybody playing live, singing live. You can't always do that. So they want they want to make sure that it's perfect. The wardrobe malfunction from years ago. There's there's two levels to that. Yes, it was a wardrobe malfunction in that you weren't supposed to see her bare tit. You weren't supposed to see it. Yeah, well, it was bejeweled, but you weren't supposed to see it. What you were supposed to see was the bra she was wearing because we know that because Justin Timberlake, who was singing along with Janet Jackson, or lip-syncing along with Janet Jackson, uh, did the thing where he he's gonna he said something about going to have your clothes off by the end of this song was a line that some or close to it was a line in the song, and then they get to the end. The end of the song's coming. He reaches over and he pulls her top off. That that was intended. 
what wasn't intended was him to grab so deep and pull the bit of the bra off that exposed her boob. Did I say tit earlier? No, oh, for shame. <laughs> Did I say it again? I, well, she has a little birdie underneath her. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that's the tit I meant. <clears throat> anyway, yeesh. <laughs> naughty show. So, it, 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 so that was the halftime, and then and then some people, you know, uh, the more extreme types out there, the Christian extremities, uh, extre extremists, I should say, not extreme. They, 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 it was a whole satanic thing. She's dressed in red, and she's, you know, she's doing the satanic stuff or whatever. They that they saw. It. I said, well, shit. If I knew it was going to be about Satan, I'd have watched. Hail Satan. What time have I got? I've got time to go to my next break. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Going to take a break, and I'll be back. Listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. You're listening to Z Talk Radio's Redheaded Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh! Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. We'll all be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. So love struck so just lives for the moment you're around. Oh, hi. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. You just uh, caught me uh, looking at the cover of this uh, comic book that's sitting to my, my right here. Betty Page 3D Comics. Uh, it's in a bag, so I can't open it up to take a look at the, uh, what's inside. But, you know, Betty Page, she was a... Um, she was a a, a pinup gal from the 1950s, and uh, she she was a uh, not not your wholesome pinup gal. She did a lot of bondage type stuff and some nudies and and things like that. But there's a little uh, little comic book sitting at the at, at my right elbow. I just happened to notice it in the break. Uh, you know the cover's not too bad. Uh, illustrated by somebody named Hugh. Um, I'm not sure who that is, but uh, yeah, not too bad. And that's right next to a GI combat. So, you know, we got we got a variety here at Nostalgia Zone. Um, <clears throat> I know I've talked about this in the past. The Mandela Effect. But I want to bring this up because it dovetails into something else. Uh, the Mandela Effect. It's, uh, what is it? It's a, it's a weird, it's a phenomenon that uh, where uh, uh, a fair amount of people all have uh, a mismemory of something it's it's they remember they're sure of it uh but then when they find out that that's that's wrong they oh yeah and 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 then the conspiracy theorists take over i'll get to it it's called the mandela effect 
after Na Nelson Mandela. Now, Nelson Mandela was a world leader. Uh, he was a fellow that uh, was uh, in South Africa. He was protesting against the apartheid government and the laws that you know that held down the majority of the country, which happened to have black skin, and and uh, upheld the power of the minority of the country, which happened to have white skin. And it's just this racist policy, and it was horrible and terrible. And Nelson Mandela, among among others, was out trying to fight against uh, against uh, apartheid. He ended up being imprisoned by the white minority for 27 years. He was released in 1990. Uh, he went on to become, I guess, the, the first president of South Africa. I, I don't know what they had before then, like secretary generals or something. They had some other kind of position before that. I, at least according to Wikipedia, said he was their first president. And I think that was in uh, 1994. Served as president until 1995, and uh, you know, and then went on, you know uh, went on to be you know this you know this world diplomat type guy uh, about you know trying to fight racism and for you know to fight for civil rights, uh, human rights, that kind of thing. And he received, you know, the Nobel Peace Prize, uh, uh, Medal of Freedom. You know, he just, he's got, you know, stuff, stuff like that. And then in uh, 2013, he died. Now, there was a whole bunch of people out there, apparently, that would swear to you that Nelson Mandela died in prison. That they believe, that that's what, that's their memory. That's what they understand had happened. He died in prison. And when they, when you encounter somebody like that, you say, "What? No, no. He was released from prison. He became president of South Africa. He he lived for a long time after that." He's just like, "What? What? He died in prison? No, no, he didn't." And how do you? And, and there's apparently there's a whole bunch of people that like that have that. And another example of the Mandela effect is uh, um, is uh, people remembering that the the illustrated character on the Monopoly game boards and on their boxes and all that and on the cards, that rich guy, whatever he, I don't know if he has a name, but, you know, uh, that character, people remember him having a monocle, and he never did. So the conspiracy theory aspect of it is that the, the uh, you know, the more fanciful-brained people the fantasy-prone types, the the ones that want to believe in the paranormal and magic—that magic exists when it doesn't. Because remember the old saying: throughout history, every mystery ever solved has turned out to be not magic. That's Tim Minchin. That's his way of putting it. But yeah, all the mysteries that have existed—that humans tried to couldn't figure out what's going on, so they attribute it to magic. But then at some point, we gain the knowledge and the tools and the experience to figure out what it was going on. It turned out, hey, it's not magic. Sorry. So it's just every time it's not magic. So I, as a skeptic, I tend to think that the next time it'll turn out to be not magic too. And the next time after that, the, and that a mystery is explained, it will also turn out to be not magic and so on and so on and so on. That all the mysteries, once they're solved, if they're solvable, will turn out to be not magic. And the ones that aren't solvable, at least not by us yet, will there'll be people that will continue to. Well, that's the magic one. That's the magic one. Oh well, no, nope, no. Nope, turns out it's not magic. Oh crap. Well, the one over here that you can't explain. That's the magic one. Yeah, those are those people. So those people look at the Mandela effect and they think this is what they the offer uh, the idea they offer is that this is evidence of the parallel universes. That there's another universe out there that has an Earth on it, and it has all the people on it, and it has a Nelson Mandela who died in prison in that reality. And somehow the two parallel universes have uh, had, a, had an inflection point. They, 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 they hit together, and a glimpse of that reality made its way into our reality, and those people that remember Nelson Mandela dying in prison are remembering it from the other reality. That's what they think. When it's probably more likely somebody is just people are just misremembering. <clears throat> oh man. <clears throat> Sorry, I keep it gets dry down here, so I've got a lozenge and I'm trying not to sound like I have a lozenge in my mouth, I should say. In fact, I'm going to take a sip. Oh, bear with me. 
because I'm going to have a coughing fit if I don't. Mmm, -mm, that's good, Dr. Pepper Zero. <laughs> All right. Why do I bring up the Nelson De Mandela effect? Uh, the Mandela effect. I bring it up because of the six million dollar man. That's right. Uh, uh, my my friends Craig and Tim and I, over the last few weeks, we've been watching episodes of the Six Million Dollar Man that starred Lee Majors. And first thing I got to say is, seventies television was really stupid. <laughs> Entertaining, but dumb. It's just like, you know, we it, 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 the perspective that I'm sitting at now, looking at shows like The Sopranos and Mad Men and Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and all these shows that have come out. Sitting where I sit now, look, it's just like we. I've been spoiled. You know, the Ozark show. These 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 you know, uh, Peaky Blinders. These are shows that are written like top quality movies. So when you look at something that was produced in the 70s, now, I'm sure there were 70s television show that was more serious than The Six Million Dollar Man and garnered, you know, better writing and all that kind of stuff. But, man, I tell you, just the stuff in it, the, it, the inconsistency within within its own story, it, it, it just, I don't know, I, and... Like what Steve Austin could do, what he couldn't do. You know, my my pedantic moment about Austin's bionics in his legs. It only goes up to like just under his hip. It's it should the whole leg should be bionic up into the hips, not just you know the you go five inches down from the hip and that's where the bionics start. That's not going to work. There's a scene in one of the shows. It's one that we watched uh, recently. We watched four of the Bigfoot episodes, which were great but stupid. There was a scene in there where, where, where Steve Austin is holding up the roof of a cave that's going to collapse because, you know, he's got the strong bionic arm and he's got the strong bionic legs, but he's got flesh and blood in between. I mean, it's like having a bit of rebar at one end uh, and, and another bit of rebar at the other end, and in between is a pipe cleaner. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to be able to hold that up. Sorry, it's not going to work. <laughs> so anyway... It's just, ugh. <laughs> but the Mandela effect of the show. Now, I mean, we're enjoying them. Don't get me wrong. We're enjoying them. We're poking fun at these things. We're, you know, it's silly. I mean, there was a shot. Now, Steve Austin, his, his right arm is bionic. And he's got some, he's sick. He's in the hospital. He's got some radiation poisoning because of uh, things that had happened. And his doctor, the guy that helped make him bionic, is, is, uh, is uh, uh, you know is by his bedside, Oscar Goldman, the guy that you know is, is Steve's boss. He's there too, and 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 Steve is all hooked up to the machinery and all that, and uh, you know the machine that goes ping and uh, all the other stuff. And he's he's hooked up, and the doctor takes Steve's pulse on his right arm, which is the bionic arm. Now, unless they put something in there that would simulate his pulse, why would you do that? <laughs> the actor's probably thinking, well, this is something doctors do, so I'm just going to do that. But, it, it, you know, there's not a continuity person saying, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, he's, that's a bionic arm. He's not going to have a pulse in it. At least that's our assumption. But we, it, there were things, the Mandela effect... If you remember the show at all, you remember the sound effects. When he uses his bionic eye to look uh, closely at something, it goes, dut, 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 makes that sound. And then when he's he's jumping, uh, or and he's running fast, there's that shing 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 kind of sound. Remember that? And when he's when he, and same thing when he's when he's using his strength in his arm to do something, there's that there's like a shing 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 kind of sound. But the thing was, that didn't start happening. Uh, the, the shing shing sound didn't start happening until until part of the way into season three. I mean, my friend Craig's watching this, you know, apart from us, and he's telling us, "I'm not hearing the sounds." The eyeball, the do 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 do, that was happening, but you know, from the beginning, but it it, it was not happening in 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 so much of the other uh, 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 things that he did. You weren't getting the shing shing sound. 
so he, so Craig's just saying, are, are we suffering in the Mandela effect? Is that we just have that memory for some reason? Did they use it in the Bionic Woman show and they didn't use it in the Six Million Dollar Man and that's why we're remembering it? Well, somewhere along in season three, they started doing it. So, okay. I had forgotten that in season four, Lee Majors had a mustache. What the hell was that? <laughs> and I also had forgotten. Now, remember when uh, uh, after Six Million Dollar Man went off the air, it was on for five seasons, which is a fairly successful television show. Uh, he, he's on the air, um, goes off, and his next show was The Fall Guy. And he plays a, a Hollywood stunt man who works as a private detective or something like that. And he gets these cases and they, that he works on, I guess. And he sings the opening theme song for The Fall Guy. You know, he starts out, I've been seen with Farrah. <laughs> I think that's like the first line. And he has been seen with Farrah because, you know, he's, he was married to her. And she shows up in episodes of uh, The Six Million Dollar Man. She's there's four of them, I think. And I've, I've seen two of them with, with Craig. And and that's great, but she can't act. <laughs> she, she got better at acting much later in her career. She got better much later. Uh, she was still learning her craft, but um, she got better much later. She was in the, the Robert Duvall uh, vanity project that uh, he directed and uh, starred in uh, called The Apostle. She was in there. She played his the, the Apostle character, you know, Duvall's character, like her ex, his ex-wife or something. She was very good in that. Yeah, she seemed very natural in her acting, but you know, she's stiff as a board and most most of anything else. But she's stunning looking. I mean, a friend of mine on Facebook shared a picture of Farrah Fawcett for whatever reason, and I thought I had seen them all from her heyday period, you know, when she was big. Uh, and it's stunning. It's I just went, oh, the old Farrah freak in me started to to, to rise up again. Just like, God damn, I had such a thing for her, from from my from the sixth grade on to my senior year in high school. Just had such a thing for her. Farrah Fawcett was just anyway. So he, so he sings the theme song to The Fall Guy. But I had forgotten that he sings some incidental music. He sings in some incidental in the show. There's a there's an episode where, you know, we're learning about Jamie Summers who becomes the bionic woman, right? So they they were they were, they had a thing when they were younger and they're starting to develop a thing again and there's, you know, they they're having the montages and you got Lee Majors singing a song about it. As part of the soundtrack of the episode, nuts. <laughs> I, you know, it's it's great, it's fun, uh, it's it's ridiculously stupid, but you know that's seventies TV for you. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Yeah, we got to the end of another episode. Uh, let's see. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And uh, remember that uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. And I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off. Maybe I'll see you next week. We'll see. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. of the Z-Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.